Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Last week I started uh, a series, or it's kind of a two-part sermon, uh, where we are trying to lay the foundation for Jesus being born into the world. And the title was, Why Should a Weary World Rejoice? Why should we rejoice? And so we looked at, first off, we should rejoice because he is the Lord of interruptions. We talked about how uh, Mary and Joseph traveled, and it was uh, they had to go through the census, and they had to appear in their ancestral home, and she's pregnant. And so, you know, God takes our interruptions in our life, and he uses them in a way that brings him glory and honor. And then we looked at, because he's also the Lord of time. And so we kind of laid the, the, out the foundation of, of what God did in order to bring Mary and Joseph and Jesus into the world at that moment. So there was, there was worldwide to them, to their knowledge, peace. And the Pax Romona, the, this idea of, of, of uh, all of this peace. And then you have a common language, the Koine Greek language. And so you could go to this town and share the gospel. You can go to this town and share the gospel. You can go to this town and share the gospel because they all speak the same language. And then you could also travel there on a Roman road. And so all of these vast territories were connected together by these roads that the Romans built. And so all of these things were established and being developed, and then Christ was born. And so then you have Christ going to be born. He's going to live this sinless life. He's going to build 12 men around him, the disciples, and then they're going to go out and share the gospel, and the, and the, and the, God, and the world's going to be turned upside down because of this. But today... We're going to go back to the birth. So we don't want to get too far ahead. We just let's, let's go back to Jesus' birth, and we're going to rejoice because he is the Lord of location. And before we jump into it, though, let's, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy. And Lord, as we enter into a message in which we discuss Christmas and the birth, your birth and taking on human flesh and all these different things, Lord, we prop, some of us, many of us in this room have heard this story before, and Lord, it's, uh, it's a review. But Lord, help us, I pray, to this morning to see it anew with wonder and amazement at who you are and what you've done, and so that this season, as we spend time with our families and we go about our routines of Christmas, that you will be primary, that you will be on top and on the forefront of our thoughts and prayers because we are truly just amazed and we rejoice at you and your plan of salvation for mankind. And so, Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we rejoice because he is the Lord of location. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. And so wrapped in clothes uh, is, is a very common thing during this time. You would take strips of cloth and you would wrap the child up. Uh, it would be, uh, a lot of cultures uh, still do this today where they take the child and they wrap them up very snugly. So, uh, you know, one reason is because newborns tend to, to scratch their face and different things, but also it's a, it's a, a way of, to comfort the child. And so they would take the child and wrap them up in swaddling clothes or in strips of cloth and they would, and they would uh, to do that. And in Luke, or, so, so we, we see this picture of the manger, and we see the, the child being wrapped and laid in this manger, and oftentimes uh, the, many scholars believe that the manger was a feeding trough, and so you have this picture of them being in a barn, and the animals are surrounding him, and these, the baby's wrapped up, and then laid in this like gross uh, 
thing. They probably put some hay in there, some pine straw. If you're from South Georgia, they put you some pine straw in there. But they would have taken it and taken care of the child, but it was not. It would, the whole environment would have been dirty. It would have been foul-smelling. And if Jesus lived this way, this is how Jesus was born into the world, and we have anything more than that. We should be just praising God that we have been blessed in such a way that we have all the creature comforts that we have today. But this morning you may be struggling with where you are in life or you may ask, you know, why has God brought me through this or why am I having to endure this, whatever that life situation may be. You must understand that he has a plan. And what we're going to see is that, you know, why would Jesus be born into this environment, in this situation? We're going to see that God has a plan. And God has a plan for all of us in the role that we play. So the second thing that we're going to rejoice in is because God loves all people. And this is where we're going to kind of sit here for the rest of our time. Is that this idea that God loves all people. Look at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors and so this word and signifies that something has come before what we're about to look at right in the preceding verses there was a census taken by the Roman emperor so Mary and Joseph travel to their ancestral home Bethlehem and upon arriving they find no place to stay except a barn and Jesus was born and he was laid in a manger and so while Christ's birth is drawing to a close angels are dispatched to tell a group of people about this very special child's birth. And this is the most important event that has ever happened in world history. This is more, this is the critical moment in time. It's as though all of existence, creation, everything has built up to this moment in history. Who, and so the very first people to hear about these, this most important event to have ever happened. Who was it? It was the, it was the, rich among us it was the fanciest among us it was the most powerful among us it was the influencers amongst us it was the most popular people amongst us of course those people should know first right no it's not look at who God chooses to know about to first hear of the most important event that has ever happened it was shepherds shepherds did not live in luxurious homes they did not carry with them many possessions. They didn't own many possessions because you have to pick it up and move constantly. We find them here uh, with very few things. They devoted themselves to the care of the sheep. And on this night, they're awake. They're watching the sheep. They're living outside. They're watching against predators. They're keeping the sheep safe, and they're watching. And so what was it about these shepherds that made them worthy of such a momentous occasion? Why would God grant these guys, why would he invite them into his home, right? Even though his home's a barn right now, why would he invite the shepherds in? Like, what is it about these men? Verse 14 tells us, it says that the peace on earth, there's going to be peace on earth to all to whom God favors. 
God did some, some awesome thing that night just because he wanted to favor some shepherds who were sleeping in a field. He just wanted to favor them. When we think about our grace and our salvation and the things that how God has blessed us, he simply does that because he chose to favor you. That's all. There's nothing about these men. There's nothing about these shepherds that make them super shepherds. They're not like supermen. There's nothing about these guys. It's just God in his heart says, I choose to favor these people, these, these shepherds here. And so when we think of our salvation, that should be how we think of it as well, is that there's nothing great about us. There's nothing wonderful. We're not super people that we have been able to have grace and mercy that's been poured out upon us. It's just God's favor. God has just chosen to pour out his favor on people. So God has it in his heart to favor these men. So, but there's nothing that indicates that they were anything special, that they had earned or deserved this outpouring of God's favor. And so, but let's look at how did God favor them. What are the things that he did for these just average guys that are out in the field watching their sheep? First off, we see that God sends a heavenly messenger. First, God sends this heavenly messenger. And when they see this messenger, Luke tells us that they were very afraid. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And in every instance in Scripture where we see an angel appearing to human beings, they are always afraid. We say, well, you know, they're uneducated. They're, this, this is back in the olden times. They just didn't know as much as we do. No, no, no. If an angel appeared to you today, you'll be just as afraid as these guys are right here in the story. Right? So, and, it, and it's... They were, they were terrified. And so then the second thing that we see, and they kind of go together, but that God gives a heavenly appearing. It says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And so we see the glory of the Lord in Exodus uh, 16 where the cloud appeared and the people would look up on the mountain. And the glory of God provided manna and quail for the Israelites to eat after they had complained. In Exodus 24, God appears at the top of Mount Sinai with blasts of smoke and thunder, and it appeared as a devouring fire. In Exodus 40, the Israelites uh, had completed the tabernacle, and when they had completed the tabernacle, this giant tent, the glory of the Lord appeared as a cloud, as a pillar of smoke during the day and at fire at night. And so you have the presence of God there. And so if you could find an angel of God's glory shining around them, and you get this this, you get some scared shepherds, right? You have, you have, this heaven, you have the, all this brightness and this wonderful, this strange thing happening. Why were they afraid? Because when sinful mankind comes into the presence of a holy God, we're terrified. In that moment, when the shepherds are there and they're sitting around the campfire or whatever it was that they were doing and they're watching and they're making sure they're protecting the sheep and different things and these angels appear, this heavenly host appears. They're terrified because all of their sin is suddenly exposed. Everything about them, all of their, their misdeeds, all of their sins, all of their who they truly are as a person. We can go out, we can go, even go to church on Sunday, or we can go out in public, and a lot of times we can hide who we truly are on the inside, like our heart, our sinful, depraved hearts, those, those things that we think about in the secret places. We can hide that. But when you come out, when, you're, when God appears and he exposed is those things, we're terrified. Because we are a sinful man who now is appearing before a, a glorious God. And even his messengers are glorious. We're terrified. So we have this stark contrast with God's holiness and our sinfulness. 
And so all of our misgivings are exposed. And there's no place to go. These shepherds are out in the middle of the, like, there's no way for them to go. And so every time you see this, they all collapse and they all fall on their face, right? They hide their face. Why are they doing that? Because they are sinful and they have nowhere to go except to the ground. And they're trying to hide. Just don't look at me. I'm, and they're trying to hide. So they have all this sinfulness. The shepherds are scared because they know that they are sinful and they fear a holy God. And that causes them to shudder. And at this moment, when they're terrified, and they realize how sinful they are, and they've collapsed on the ground, and they're in fear, then the angel speaks. Look what he says. God gives a heavenly message. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a son, a Savior, has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. He begins by saying, don't be afraid. I bring you, you, some good news. And the good news is the gospel. It's a way for them to be forgiven of their sin. It's a way for them to stand before God, not be collapsed in front of him out of fear. Right? You don't have to be afraid. There's a way for you to be rid of this sin that you have. You could actually stand and worship the one true God. Fear not. You can worship him in love. And so this messenger was giving, the messenger was giving these shepherds the most important news that had ever been told. So not only was this the most important event in, in human history, this is also the most important words that have ever been spoken. Right? There's a, there is a savior for all the people. Not just the shepherds, not just the Hebrew people, but for all the people the entire planet every person that's born into this world this message is for them it's for me it's for you centuries later it's for all the people praise the Lord and so in the town of David a Savior has been born to you it says in the book of 2nd Samuel we see the prophet Samuel goes to anoint the new king this is the David right so he, he the shepherd boy and so he goes through all of David's brothers you remember the story right he, he says is this the one and God says nope and he goes is this the one nope starts with the oldest right he's the guy that should have gotten it then he goes to the next one and then he goes to the next one and he goes to the next one and they're like there's none left I mean we they're all here all the ones that are supposed to be or potentially would be the next king and God says no there's still one more and he's like well the only one left is David he's out in the he's out in the pasture he's the shepherd he's watching the sheep while all of the right people are here because that's that's the one David the shepherd boy go get him and they bring him in and Samuel anoints his head he's a kid he's not supposed to be the next king but he is that's the cho the one that God chose the shepherd and so he's brought in and he's He's later when he's appealing to Saul remember the story with David he goes to Saul again he's still a kid and he's got this giant Goliath out there and he's taunting God's people and he goes that's not right I'm gonna go out there what is it that he says to Saul he says how are you gonna take on this giant he says, I've got my sling and I have killed bear and I have killed lion and I could do it again it's a shepherd that would be the people's champion so and then Jesus, not only does Jesus being born in Bethlehem fulfill prophecy, but it describes to his people what this Christ will be like, this promised one, this Messiah that's been born into the world. What will be he, he be like? He will be like a shepherd. John 10 he even describes himself later. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
So we see this Messiah that's being born into the world. What's he like? He's like a shepherd. He's going to give his life for the sheep. The Savior would be just like them. He would be ju- he's a fellow shepherd just like them. They were shepherds of sheep. Jesus was the good shepherd, the shepherd of souls. They had a humble lifestyle. Jesus emptied himself of glory and came and took on human flesh. He was born in the humblest of circumstances. They had a humble lifestyle. Jesus did that too. And he's described as having, later in his ministry, he's even described as having no place to lay his head. So Bethlehem was a tiny town. It was the Savior's lineage that would come through this little shepherd boy named David. Eventually the good news would be given first to a group of unknown shepherds. And so God delights in pouring out his favor upon the young, upon the little, upon the weak, and upon the unknown. He chooses to favor people that we never would have chosen to favor because we're not in charge, but he is. He says a Savior has been born. Well, what's a Savior? And what are we being saved from? These shepherds, again, they're face down on the ground. They're terrified of what they see because of their sinful nature. Jesus would grow in wisdom and in stature, and he would teach as one who had authority, and he would, prove, he would do miracles to prove that he is who he says that he was and that what he said was true. And he would die on a Roman cross, and he would rise again three days later. All of these things as a Savior. And so the law shows us that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Have you ever thought about why we have the Old Testament? Like, why have all these rules and regulations? And why, why still keep it? Like, why not just get rid of that and just focus on the New Testament? Because we have to have the Old Testament to understand the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you have these rules, right? Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not bear false witness. Don't commit adultery. Like all of these things. We have the top ten, right? Then we have all these other laws. Here's the thing. If you've ever tried to keep the law, if you've ever tried to keep the Ten Commandments, you're going to fail every single time, right? And it only takes one, one breaking of the law to separate you for all of eternity from your Creator. Why do we have the law? if we can't keep it right you can't keep the law why would God hold us to this standard that we can't keep because he wants to show you that you need a savior that you are broken and that your heart's desire is just to to go after your own pleasure your own desires and we don't follow the one true God it's just it's against our nature and so we we began to realize I've tried to be good I've tried to do these things but I just can't I keep failing I need a savior And at the fullness of time, God sent forth a Savior into the world. So, Isaiah 53, 6 says, We have all, like sheep, gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We all have. We all do that. And the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And so in Isaiah, again, this is Old Testament. Then Jesus comes into the New Testament. There's this prophecy that this one's going to come, that's going to lay his life down like a sheep, and that all of our iniquity, our sin, will be laid upon him. That's why he came, as a savior. So God tells the shepherds in his grace and his mercy how to find this child. Wouldn't it have been cruel for God to say, there's a savior, he's been born, good luck. No, he doesn't do that. He says, you need a savior. Here he is. He's coming to this world, and here's how to find him. 
this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, and then eventually we're going to see a star and different things for the wise men. But this same grace and mercy is held out to us as well. He tells us clearly that the good news is for us today, just like it was for these shepherds. We, like the shepherds, are given clear instructions on how we could be saved from our sins. It's very clear in the Gospels. And so then, at that moment, you have a heavenly host appears. Look at verse 13. Suddenly... The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to all whom God favors. God favors these shepherds by sending a heavenly messenger, shining his glory upon them, giving them the most important message that's ever been given. And on top of that, a vast number of angels sing a praise and worship song, and they have a worship service right there on the, in the pasture. But see, here's the thing. You can't praise and worship God until you realize that you are a sinner and in need of a Savior. And then you receive and understand who this Savior is. Then you can get up from the ground. And you can lift your face toward heaven. And you can say, praise the Lord that I have been forgiven of my sin. And he is one who favors people that should not have been favored. Right? You sing his praises. But you can't do that until you understand who he is. And so Mary and Joseph had an angel appear to them on separate occasions. God spoke to Joseph in a dream. But for this unknown group of shepherds, God gives them favor upon favor upon favor upon favor. It's just one gift after the next after the next. These shepherds were blown away at God's grace and mercy that he poured out upon them in that pasture. Blessing upon blessing. What do you do? When God gives us or offers such grace, forgiveness, mercy, and love. What do you do with it? They knew that they were a sinful bunch. But they had received the good news of God. And this morning you too can meet the Savior of the world. It's the same message. His favor and his gift of salvation is open to all. But he's not found in a manger. Don't go looking for him in a manger today. Because he has defeated death, hell, and, he, and, and the enemy, and he sits at the right hand of the Father as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so when we say, where is Christ? We look for the risen Christ who is in heaven, who will one day return. And he will bring with him all of those who had, the dead in Christ will rise. And with a, with a shout in glory, they will all appear. So in this life, we will always have to deal with an imperfect world where everything doesn't go our way and as we had planned. If you remember the story I told you last week of Kimberly and I, we had to go home uh, for an emergency, and we just kept getting delay after delay after delay. And God's mercy and His grace provided a way for us to finally get to where we needed to be. Life, it's just, it's just a mess. Life is a mess. We make it a mess. Other people make it a mess. It's just a mess. But God has called us to navigate through it. And we understand that God is sovereign, that his plans were always going to be carried out and accomplished perfectly in the way that he desires, desires to do it. And if we had to tell the story of Jesus' birth, I would have made it happen in a palace, not in a stable. I would have wrapped him in the most expensive of clothes, not just everyday rags. He would have been surrounded by servants, not animals and shepherds. People would bow down to him. He surely would not have been hunted but thank God our plans don't work out, but praise him that his do. 
So God has a purpose and plan for Mary and Joseph. God had a purpose and plan for Jesus. God has a purpose and plan for you. Our goal is to say, Lord, here I am. Realize that we're a sinner. Cry out to him for mercy and say, Lord, use me just like you've done. Have all of your other servants throughout history. So this morning, there's no better time for you to discover the path that he has for you and discover the plans that he has for you. If you remember Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. He knows. He knows what the plan is. He's God. He's sovereign. Declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. His goal is not to crush you. His goal is not to destroy you. His goal is to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray with me and I will hear you, will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So this Christmas, let me encourage you to don't just get caught up in the, the sentimentality of Christmas, but to understand the true meaning of Christmas. And If you've gone away or you've allowed yourself to drift from your devotion to him, let today be the day that you say, Lord, I'm all, I'm all in. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm going to follow you with all that I am. I want you to think back over your life. What events has God worked out to get you here this morning or to get you into this stage of life where you are? What people has he brought across your path to tell you about his son or about his purpose and plan for your life? God moved heaven and earth for you. That's, that's the big idea of last week and this week is that roads were built, kingdoms were established, uh, languages were, were made, all of these things, so that you can understand the gospel. He's moved heaven and earth. He, Jesus traveled from the throne room of heaven to be in the trough with animals for us because of our sin. So what are you going to do with this gift that God has presented to you? Romans 3.23, right? So for the wages of sin is death. That's the, that's the wage that we earn because we have broken God's commands. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. And every person has to be say, yes, I would like to receive that gift or I reject that gift. Every Christmas is a reminder that God did a whole lot of things so that that gift could be presented to us. What are you going to do with the gift? Let's pray. Lord, your word says that we deserve death and separation, but Lord, you present the gift to us of forgiveness Lord, I thank you that there was a moment in my life when I realized as a kid that I was a sinner and that I was eternally separated from you. Honestly, Lord, I didn't feel very good about myself. I, was, I realized that I was just wicked and depraved on the inside. It was a weight that I carried. And Lord, you brought a, pa a pastor across my path who shared with me the gospel, and Lord, I just took that weight, I laid it at the cross, I asked you to forgive me of my sin. Lord, I praise you and thank you for that. And Lord, there might be someone in this room who realizes, like the shepherds, that if their sin is truly exposed to the world, that it would just be horrific, and, and, and they realize that they are, there's shame there, there's shame of it. But Lord, you are a God of grace and mercy that is forgiving, and that if we ask for your forgiveness you are just and righteous to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness and Lord we can get up off the ground and we can lift our head and we can sing your praises that we are sinners who have been saved by your glory and your grace 
And Lord, when we gather together, we are a group of people that praise you and shout your, your, your glory. And Lord, you are so worthy of our praise and honor because we realize that we are sinners who have been saved. And Lord, if there's someone in this room who's never asked you to come into their life, friend, you could say a prayer, something like this. This is a prayer between you and Jesus. You could say something like this. Dear Jesus, I admit to you right now that I'm a sinner. I have done things that if they were to be exposed, I would be very ashamed of. I know that that has caused a separation between us. And Lord, if I don't get that right, it's going to stay that way for all of eternity. Lord, I believe that Jesus came and he died on the cross. He was born in the manger. He lived a sinless life. He eventually went to the cross. And my iniquity, my sin was laid upon him as a gift. I could be forgiven by what Jesus did on the cross. I'd like to receive that gift and be forgiven of my sin. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, also I pray for the believers in the room. Lord, if you're a believer, you could say a prayer something like this. Dear Jesus, I'm not where I need to be with you. I need to grow in my relationship with you. I want to make 2024 the year where I, re, where I take the next step on my journey with you, whatever that might be. And Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.